track at the wall. We are tied. Look at this. He's landed for I don't believe it. I don't believe it. Oh, drop with a big leg. Over for the cover. He got it. Unbelievable. He got it! The starter! Mike Tyson in! Austin is the champion! Stone Cold! Stone Cold! Stone Cold! Now the 2-2. Two -two. Well hit down the left field line. Way back and Touch the ball, Joe! You'll never hit a bigger home run in your life! Connection Podcast Network listeners, it's JT. Welcome to WWE War Wrestling Above Replacement, a sabermetric plus-minus style of breaking down WWE WWF pay-per-views throughout history. Joining me, as always, on the show is Marcus. Marcus, how are you? I can hardly see because we have some bright lights and a bigger city tonight as we talk about SummerSlam to start off. I'm looking forward to it, especially coming off our last episode where we had an all-time show to talk about with Money in the Bank. So curious to see how the season's going to continue to play out following that. I can only hope you have a moo-moo on as well. <laughs> you know it. Uh, yeah, so our last episode really set the bar for this show, or at least the extreme ceiling. I don't know if I want to call it the ceiling, because I feel like it's not fair, because it's like beyond the ceiling. It's the stratosphere for the show, probably. But on this show, we are breaking down every WF Duty pay-per-view in history, doing it by season. Which means we start with the pay-per-view after WrestleMania. The season ends with WrestleMania every year. And uh, doing it by ranking categories in a plus-minus system. Those categories are build, commentary, atmosphere, notable moments and importance, match grades, card structure, rewatchability, and all-time matches. We get pluses. We get minuses. We take the net. We total those up. And that gives you your final total score for each pay-per-view. We'll then use those total scores to rank all the pay-per-views all time, as well as the seasons as well. Our current rankings are as follows. In last place, Over the Limit 2011 with negative 9. WrestleMania 11 with negative 0. .75. Royal Rumble 95 at 5.5. King of the Ring 94 at 6.5. Survivor Series 94 at 7.75. Extreme Rules 11 at 8.75. SummerSlam 1994 with 9. Capital Punishment 2011 at 13.75. Mania 
and way more than setting the pace is Money in the Bank 2011 with 28.75 total uh, wins above replacement level. So lots going on here, Marcus. But we have, you know, we wrapped up our last show kind of saying, like, nothing's ever going to touch Money in the Bank. We think it'll be the best ever. But right out of the gate here, we have a potential contender. Yeah, we've got a challenger stepping up uh, with SummerSlam 2011. And I'm curious to see, like, do we have a challenger? Like, is this going to be another show after we just said, like, you know, this is this is the ultimate ceiling. This is this is probably as high as we're going to get. Like, all right, how close do we get? Is it is it possible to even surpass? Um, you know, there's there's a lot in play here at the SummerSlam. So I'm looking forward to break it down to you and uh, and getting into the math and science of it all. Let's dig it. So SummerSlam 2011 live from Los Angeles, California, the Staples Center on August 14th. Early for a SummerSlam, early in the month, uh, the 14th. Usually it's a little bit later than that. And I think this is the beginning of the uh, deal with Staples, right? Or is 2010 there? Uh, I think 2010. And it's, it it's 2009 even there. Uh, yeah, you're right. <laughs> oh okay, so we're, we're, we're three years deep into the, sta- yeah, yeah, the yeah. Staples Center residency for SummerSlam. Uh, but it is the biggest party of the summer. And, man, I'm a sucker for, like, midsummer summer slams um because like for so long it felt like it was the at least for me it was the last sunday or like the last day before school started right um, and then like later on like my school started earlier so it was like okay it's the end of like the first or second full week of school it's so, like that was a bummer like i'm not trying to like wake up all sleepy uh from watching SummerSlam the night before but uh you know it's what needed to be done but yeah how do you feel about the uh the midsummer summer slams I don't know. I kind of like it as the end of summer tradition, honestly, uh, more than the middle. I feel like, too, like there's usually more going on those weekends and stuff, like just summer stuff. So I never minded it being toward the end. I mean, yeah, it would suck when it was, especially on the Monday nights. Like there was definitely a year. The year I started high school, it was a Monday and I started high school the next day on the Tuesday. That was a rough one. That was 94. Um, Mm. But since it moved to Sunday... And I feel like school kind of switched more to like after Labor Day anyway in most places. I don't know. I don't mind it being like the last Sunday of August. Although next year you must really be excited because it's what July 30th. Yeah, it's like something ridiculous like that, and I'm, yeah. I'm not sure how I feel about it because like SummerSlam is the August, and like for me being an August baby, I, there's no national holidays in August, so like SummerSlam is the closest thing I have <laughs> to like celebrating. And now like. That's leaving me and it's going to July and like July already has like money in the bank or whatever. So, um, yeah, yeah I'm not... Rhode Island, you can celebrate victory over Japan day. We're the only state in the country that does that. Oh man. All right. I might have to uh, make the drive up mm-hmm. and uh, throw some steaks on the grill or whatever. Mm-hmm. All right. So here we are then the middle of August, 2011. Uh, you want to run to the card for us? Absolutely. Uh, in our dark match of the evening, we've got Dolph Ziggler with Vicky Guerrero defeating a Rye, Alex Riley. Push ends with a thud for A-Rai after his big two-show run. But it, it tells you, too, what they think of certain guys, right? Like, these are guys that were getting pushes. And when the big show comes around, they're on the they're on the, on the pre-show. So, like, it kind of tells you where they really rank. Yeah, it's like, okay, we're kind of telling C or D-level stories with these guys. And it looks like we're taking a chance. But when push comes to shove, when it comes to a bigger, um, you know, bigger stage for these stories... Uh, they go back to, you know, being a back burner. Um, so kind of disappointing, again, to see, like, not only Alex Riley, but Dolph Ziggler, too. Um, 
But starting off the show, we have kind of the that's a inconsistent SummerSlam tradition of the six-man tag match. We've got Kofi Kingston and John Morrison and Rey Mysterio defeating the team of The Miz, R-Truth, and Alberto Del Rio, our Money in the Bank holder. Um, look at my match grade real quick. I went three and a quarter. Yeah, I went three stars. I, I think this is a fun opener. I am a fan of the old-school six-man SummerSlam match with, like, a bunch of upper mid-card guys. It's It's kind of a tradition, right? Like... 89, we have the two six-mans. 91 opens with the six-man. 04 open with the six-man. It feels like a bit of a SummerSlam tradition to throw six upper-card stars into a big match and just let them go. Uh, and this was this is some big guys in here. Like you said, we have the briefcase holder in Del Rio, who's had a very strong 2011, even though some of it's been a little botched for him. You got Rey Mysterio. You know, Kofi's been a top star throughout 11. Miz, of course, had a big run. R-Truth is a top heel on Raw now. John Morrison's been well presented, especially early in the year. So this is six pretty big stars to open the show. So I, I thought it was a really good choice to open, and I enjoyed it. Uh, three stars, very cromulent match. Yeah, six acts that you're all invested in. So, like, um, like hot opener, definitely. Uh, quite the change of pace, though. We've got next Mark Henry versus Sheamus. Uh, kind of in, like, a, a Haas battle. Uh, we're going to have Mark Henry defeating Sheamus, though, by countout. Yeah, I, I like this match, too, um, quite a bit. So, I went three and a quarter. I thought they really beat the shit out of each other. I think Henry's been on fire in this run so far. We saw the good stuff with Big Show earlier and i'm a big seamus fan and this is just a really good battle and i even like the ending i'm not usually a huge fan of like count out finishes like this but henry just destroyed him with that barricade tackle and it felt like a deliberate attempt to take seamus out like it didn't feel like henry just rolls in and barely wins like this was his finish like this is his way to take him out is to destroy him at ringside so yes the more seamus the better on a big card like this and him and henry just beat the shit out of each other for 10 minutes Sign me up. So three and a quarter. This one, I would say it surprised me, but I, I remember liking it in the past and I'm glad it held up. Yeah, this is a match right up my alley. I went three stars on it. Um, you know, I just echo everything you just said. Just just really, really good job. And again, like continuing the the elevation of Mark Henry is, is really nice to see. And also like a, a good spot for Seamus, too, because he's a featured player that you don't want to just uh, neglect on the card. Well, next up, we better strap in because <laughs> we are in for a big helping of this pairing. For the Divas Championship, we have <laughs> Kelly Kelly with Eve Torres defeating Beth Phoenix with Natalia. Uh, this one, I think, was one of their better matches that we're going to see. I yeah. went three stars on it. Yeah, I went two and three quarters. It was good. I mean, Beth... You know, we talked about this last last episode, right, where Kelly had to face Brie and she was expected to like wasn't going to happen. But Beth is excellent and she can carry Kelly and it works well because Beth is a power style diva and Kelly's more of kind of a flyer. So we, we kind of get the big little combo here and Beth can throw around and and, and be a base for her, which works better than someone like Brie who can't really do that. So this is a good use and a good way to go about it. And. If Kelly's going to be champion, I'd rather see him in there somewhere with Beth. So, yeah, this was good. Improvement for sure. Yeah, absolutely. Like last episode we talked about uh, at Money in the Bank how uh, Kelly Kelly and Brie Bella, like that was a bad pairing and it did nobody any favors. And they course corrected here. It was nice to see that where they got Kelly Kelly and there was somebody with more experience uh, and Beth Phoenix who is uh, more suited to help carry somebody and bring them along. And Kelly Kelly is more than capable of holding up her end uh, when she does have somebody in there to lead the dance. 
next up, we have a battle of SmackDown upper mid-carders as Wade Barrett is going to... Does he win this match or lose this match? Uh, he wins this match. He beats Daniel Bryan, who is mm-hmm. the holder of the SmackDown Money in the Bank briefcase. I like this a good bit. I went three and a quarter. Yeah, this is another forgotten match. Like On most of these shows we talk about, this would be one of the better matches on the card. And on this show, it's almost overlooked or forgotten uh, because of where it's at. But it's it's a really good match. It's really well worked. And I was a little surprised Brian lost, but I mean, I guess he just came off a big win. They're trying to reestablish Barrett as a threat. And maybe you're prepping him for as a potential challenger. So I, I, I thought it was really good. I mean, if this is like your mid card, you know, just kind of no championship match, but just two mid card guys, it's actually pretty impressive. They're on the, this is a match of the show to begin with uh, that they, they put this out there, but this is damn good. And you're looking at these grades stacking up all of a sudden it's like, Three, three and a quarter, three and a quarter, three, three and a quarter. Like, okay, you can see the momentum building, right? Just like we talked about for Money in the Bank. We're not looking at anything bad, and also we're looking at a very strong outing. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and, like, it just goes to show, like, you don't need 50-50 booking. You don't need uh, to get too fancy with it. You got two guys who can go in there and can wrestle and tell a really good story. And when you do that, you build to a hot finish, and everybody looks good for it. Um, it resulted in a great match. Next up, we have a truly great match as Randy Orton is going to win the World Heavyweight Championship from Christian. Um, and we even got the uh, little pre-match promo with Edge that really encapsulates, like, I guess, wraps up and encapsulates like the story um, being told so far with Edge being out due to retirement with the neck injury and Christian trying to pick up the ball and, and run with it. Um, and we have the culmination of the Orton-Christian feud here, as it is a no-holds-barred match. Uh, I've loved the series so far. I went five stars on their match for Money in the Bank, and I thought this one was equal to it. I went five stars. This is great. This is uh, I went four and three quarters. It's the best of their series. I had it dramatically higher than the previous ones, which I had peaked at four and a quarter, so I thought this was easily their best um, by far. And I think uh, the only thing that really drags it down is Edge. And to me, Edge has been a detriment to Christian all year and the worst part of his matches and feuds. Like, I hated him back in it was Extreme Rules when Christian you yeah. know, won the title. Like, it was heavy-handed. This was unneeded. I thought it killed the momentum of the show a bit. I thought it killed the excitement before their match. And I thought they do a great job of getting it back. But I thought he definitely pulled pulled things down a bit. Uh, but this is an awesome, awesome match. These guys are unbelievable chemistry. I think it's one of the most overlooked and unheralded uh, series of matches all time. And I don't just mean by fans. I mean, even by the company, like this isn't one they ever talk about as the greatest feuds of all time. They never, you never hear about it from the company. Mm-hmm. You'd think they'd be trumpeting this thing, but you never hear much, but it, it's, it's an all timer. And this is an absolute classic. Yeah. Like that edge segment would have been better suited for SmackDown as like a good go home segment and then result in like a brawl between Orton and Christian or something like that, as opposed to, like you said, kind of killing the crowd, seeing Edge. You can't have a physical payoff to Edge being there. Uh, but thankfully, Orton and Christian go out there and have an absolute classic. And I think this series, like, should be, you know, I guess better touted by the company and, like, better recognized and held in a higher mm-hmm. regard. Because I think up to this point, we've seen Randy Orton be good. And we've seen flashes of him being great. Um, but this feud, I think, really unlocks him. As far as like, you know, the discussion and his potential is always, well, 
he can be an all-time great, uh, you know, at the end of his career. And we're going to see stretches of that as we continue this project. But, like, I think this is the first time we're really seeing him be truly an all-time great. Um, I think he's been absolutely phenomenal, and I think Christian um, is a big part of that. I think he mm-hmm. really unlocks Orton's potential. No, agreed. It's, I mean, it ate up the whole year and ends up just being a massive um, – yeah, just a massive feud for both guys, and it should be more well-heralded and regarded by the company for sure. Um, uh, so next up, we have for the WWE Championship, I guess it's WWE Championship versus WWE Championship, CM Punk, who is returning, uh, is going to face John Cena, and CM Punk is going to win with special guest referee Triple H. Uh, I went four stars on this. I went four and a half. I mean, I think it's it's a great match. Just a notch below SummerSlam, but nothing was going to match that, no matter what they did in this show. Uh, because they didn't have the crowd and the build and all the, the excitement and blah, blah, blah. But I think that, to me, that's almost more impressive, too, that they go here and have a match this good without mm. all that extra stuff booing them, right? Like, they're still delivering a classic, which shows just how good they are and the chemistry they have. Uh, and this this was a great match, and Punk beats him clean. Uh, which is a uh, pretty much clean. I mean, Cena's foot's on the rope, but whatever. Uh, but I mean, it's a massive win that Punk beats him again, two streaks. You kind of figure, even with the summer Punk thing, he left with the belt. They hot shotted it because he didn't want to miss, you know, I, and I don't blame him, right? Doesn't want to probably miss out of the payday, and they wanted him there for the biggest show. So they rush him back. They do the stupid thing with Cena River Ray with the fake belt. So you kind of think, all right, Cena's just going to beat him, get his win back, and unify. But no, Punk goes over. And again, I think this was a a, a classic yeah and i guess i'm i don't know i i guess i maybe i might let like my emotions and my personal opinion like weigh this match down a little bit but i thought it was way too soon to rush back cm punk like i don't care what show this is outside of like wrestlemania um i don't think there is a good reason to bring cm punk back so quickly i don't think there's a good reason even to like have john cena necessarily have the rematch right away um there's just i don't know it just felt so rushed and there was so much meat on the bone and they just like gnawed right through it and and had it all in one sitting uh just a huge wasted opportunity but they don't quite like squash out punk like you said like there's real potential here just for cena to get his win back uh and to be done with it and to move on to whatever's next but they do put punk over yeah i i feel like this is bad timing I feel like this is any other time in the year besides SummerSlam or Mania. They probably play it out more. Uh, but that said, I think in, in L.A. at SummerSlam, I think it's a two prongs. I, I think they, they wanted Punk there to sell the show. And I think I'm, I'm guessing Punk wanted the fucking payday more than the, the storyline of being away. Right. I mean, this is gonna be like a big gate. It's a big time show. He'd be main eventing. It's hard to say now if yeah. this if the summer of Punk shit happened in May. I, I think we see it play out more. You know what I mean? Like, I think I think it just was bad timing to to give us a storyline that could have been that cool. They try. They, they gave it a shot. But uh, as is, they end up buckling. But it, and it still delivers a great, great match. Yeah. And I guess like even fantasy booking a little bit, it's tough to see. Like, you do want John Cena to be in a huge marquee match. And let's say CM Punk is not going to be there. OK, well. Who do you have uh, Cena working with? You know, he's got to be with a you know close to an equal name on top. And, you know, we've got Dolph Ziggler working the dark match and, you know, he's not quite ready for that spot yet to be equal with Cena. Um, Just kind of like looking up and down the card like they're not in the, I guess, not in the mindset yet of like bringing in legends for big matches. Like, you know, I don't see Undertaker anywhere on this card. It's like maybe that's somebody they could have 
tried to pull back, but um, yeah, there's really there's really no other options. Um, you know, again, like that's their fault. <laughs> um, but yeah, so I, I can see why they wanted Punk back for this and to do the bit the big time rematch. Uh, and sold he's out red hot. I mean, anyone, yeah. even if you pull Taker off the shelf, it's not going to problem. I mean, this was such a red hot feud. He's the biggest star. It's it's tough. I get why they chose that over the fantasy booking of Punk being away for the title. I mean, you could have, if you really wanted to do it, he could have came back one here and then left again, right? I mean, yeah, I'll pop in yeah. for the payday, you know, something like that, right? <laughs> I mean, he could have played it that way and then left again if they really wanted to keep it going. As we'll see, maybe maybe that's what should have happened. Uh, because immediately after this match, we've got Alberto Del Rio running in to cash mm-hmm. in his money in the bank. Uh, and he is going to do so successfully, defeating CM Punk. And yeah. these these can be a little tricky to score. Um, I think we've landed at like a fair point, though. Uh, I went two and a half on this. Yeah, so did I. I, th- I think it's just a yeah. It's almost like it's replacement level, right? I mean, it's, it's a big moment. Yeah. It's a cool way it's done. It's not really a match. So the only thing you could argue is that the way we did it. No, because we don't even do averages. We just do total stacking. So it's not like it really hurt the show. Right. Um, by being a two and a half. So. Uh, all right. So all in, we have a uh, war of seven for match grades. So which is, again, pretty strong. If you look back at Money in the Bank, we had seven, seven, five. So this is right on the heels of it when you look at total plus minus. And the way we do that, just as a refresher, we take our average of our two grades, round that up to the nearest quarter star. And then add or subtract that from two and a half, which is our replacement level match. And that's what it earns. So, for example, Cena Punk, I went four and a half. You went four. That's an average of four and a quarter. We go four and a quarter minus two and a half gives you 1.75, which is a pretty good spread um, to get there. So, Yeah, big time in event delivers. Mm-hmm. Um, and look at that total score of seven. Uh, it's pressing right up against Money in the Bank. All right, let's go to our categories for our plus minuses. We're going to start with build. We gave a point for Henry Sheamus, which has been really well built on TV. Orton Christian, of course, which has been one of the best built uh, storylines throughout the year here on SmackDown. Punk Cena, of course, has been great, even with the fake title stop. Still a lot of time and effort put in and well-crafted. And Triple H's COO, which is uh, something we haven't talked about yet. He took over in that role right around the money in the bank time or right after when, when Vince got the no confidence vote or whatever for the board, Triple H basically you release him as duty and takes over. And they spend most of the next month with Punk questioning him. And is he fit for that role? You know, or should he be in that role? Is he going to snap someday and fuck someone over? And like, they put a lot of emphasis on Triple H in this role, being the referee, being the COO. And, uh, you know, is he going to hold up? And that, that was a big focal point going in here as well. So. Yeah, and a good natural progression for, like, the Triple H character. Uh, Because, like, we knew, you know, okay, he married the boss's daughter and, you know, all this and that. And, you know, the backstage stroke and everything. But, like, that kind of, like, tied everything together as, like, a natural progression of the Triple H character. Uh, But as far as minuses, uh, I mean, definitely have to ding it for cutting short the summer punk. um, And just rushing punk back. I, Mm -hmm. I think that deserves a minus. I think so, too, even though, again, logically, it makes sense from a fan standpoint. It would have been really cool, really different. We've talked about that a lot in the show, doing different stuff and how we reward that. And this this really was a chance to do something all time great. But again, it's hard to blame them. It's, you know, hard to keep your hottest feud off the biggest second biggest show of the year. 
Mm-hmm. All right, it's commentary. Uh, this was Cole, Booker, and King, which has been our team for most of the year, and I thought they were really good during Punk Cena. Yeah, they really showed up big time. They they added like that big time vibe uh, to the main event, which is like something I think that Booker T gives you. But also Jerry Lawler, like, you forget, um, you know, sometimes he's just like the puppies guy from the Attitude Era. Right. Like when he wants to be, he can be really on. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, they, they really added to the main event. But throughout the uh, rest of the show, uh, they were way too like buddy, buddy, pal, pal mm-hmm. after hating each other. Uh, all and it feels the fake too the folksiness of it. It's like, yeah. Over the top, fake laughing, and all this other shit. Yeah. Um, and Cole uh, really like harps on like Daniel Bryan being vegan. Mm. I remember that being like a big point at like that time. I guess like they had never heard of that before. And that was like their point to like try to, I guess, get him over. Um, but like they just really like smashed it the whole time. And like, well, Cole and Bryan was a thing too since NXT. Yeah. Remember, like he, th- so Cole's like an anti-Brian guy for years, and his new thing here is just the vegan shit. Then, you know, at some point it's a nerd. He's a virgin, like all this other crap. You know, it's just it gets gets annoying. Yeah, it, it's annoying. It's it's going nowhere. It's not doing anybody any favors. Um, Booker T really tries to like, <laughs> I guess, counteract that and and then get his catchphrase of "Deep Brian" uh, really to work. Um. But, yeah, you know. it gets annoying too. It's just it's such a it's not an easy nickname to say. Like D Bryan isn't easier than like Daniel Bryan. <laughs> it's like the same thing. And then um I guess the last thing of the evening that really happened uh when Nash comes in and power bombs CM Punk, mm-hmm. uh Michael Cole was acting <laughs> is acting like he's seen a ghost in like Scooby Doo. Right. Uh like he's never seen Kevin Nash before in his life. Uh, and it's it's just like really puzzling. Like Kevin Nash, what what's he doing here? It's so it's so bad. It just like really takes away from what could have been like a pretty cool moment. Um, it's it's just bad. It's bad all the way around. But I'll say this: like, so we get negative three for commentary, and we're gonna see this final score soon. And it's interesting because commentary has been one thing we've harped on a lot in this season and everyone harps on for the last decade and a half, like how bad the commentary is. And it prevents this show from maybe being like one of the greatest of all time, at least for us, it's going to be high, but it could have been right up there maybe with money in the bank, but commentary really sinks it. They're bad here and it plays a role for sure. Yeah. I think one of the strengths of money in the bank was like, no, no real negatives uh, in a lot of these categories, and we're seeing SummerSlam start to pile some of these up. Um, but what do we got next in the uh, the atmosphere category? Right, and, and it's, that's also it's a salient point because it may have as much good, maybe as Money in the Bank in other shows, but yes, mm. the bad is what hurts it, and that's that's really what set Money in the Bank apart was they didn't have the bad stacking up. Uh, atmosphere, uh, Del Rio's entrance was awesome to start the show. Uh, the crowd wasn't into CeeLo Green, the concert he does in the middle. We kind of joked about it earlier, but uh, they were into it. It felt kind of cool. It was a cool moment. He did a good job at the concert. Uh, I really liked, and I had noticed this, and you agree, the white gear that everyone had. It felt real special. Like, everyone really popped and looked crisp tonight. Yeah. Uh, the crowd liked Edge. They got a big pop for that. <laughs> Not the promos much, but the entrance. And the crowd was lit for the main events, and also a new camera angle for the entrances as well. You want to talk about that? 
Yeah, uh, like we kind of noticed some of the new camera angles they tried, and I thought it made it look like WrestleMania. Um, I'm not sure. Like the closest thing I can compare it to is like when SmackDown started using that 4K camera uh, when they moved to Fox. Like this isn't quite the 4K cam, but at least the shot that they have makes the ramp seem a lot longer, um, and it also like includes more of the background. So just good camera work, and and I thought it added to the presentation of the show, made it feel real big time. Agreed. Yeah, um, and a minus here, we've got the crowd being pretty quiet for Brian and Barrett, which turned out to be, like we said, like a, a really good match, especially like just it's like two mid-carders out there without any stakes. Um, they did start coming around for the finish, but uh, overall, I thought it deserved a minus. Yeah, and it sucks because Brian's coming off that big Money in the Bank win, and you figured he'd be pretty over. But that's what he gets to be the vegan. So we went five for atmosphere, which is pretty big for the atmosphere category. So it's making up some hay there. All right, notable moments and importance. Again, this is another big show, just like Money in the Bank, with a lot of moments. You get R-Truth and Jimmy Hart in the back. That was a funny segment uh, where they, they kind of quit back and forth. So that was memorable. We also have, of course, uh, Edge coming out to help with Christian. So his big return for the first time since Extreme Rules. We also have RKO, uh, the RKO on the steps from Orton to Christian. The NFL film-style hype package for the main event, which was really well done. Uh, CM Punk defeating John Cena. Uh, Dorio cashing in to win the title at the end. The entrances to the main event. We also have the debut of Cult of Personality for CM Punk on pay-per-view. And Kevin Nash's return to the company at the end. So a lot of moments on this show. Yeah, we should have won uh, probably plus five for Nash return. Uh, I love me some Kevin Nash. But yeah, a lot of big moments. A lot of big moments for the show. Uh, some of the minuses. Uh, we got, <laughs> uh, even though the concert was uh, kind of memorable, um, you know, I do think it deserves a minus. Like, you know, I guess we collectively, uh, CeeLo's green, CeeLo Green's uh, dress and I guess, what'd you call it? His, uh, his moo-moo. His moo his moo-moo. And it's and, a weird look. It's like this big sequin. I guess it's supposed to be like, um, like a gospel singer, like a robe they would wear in church or something, I think. But it is the way with the shimmer that it has on it. It just looks like a. It just looks like a giant, and he's, I mean, he's just a big guy. <laughs> it looks like just like a giant tablecloth draped over him. Um, and, and like, I, I thought the energy for the concert was good, but it was hard to hear a lot of it too. Like it felt like mumbling through some of it. Yeah. Shades of like Motorhead uh, performing at WrestleMania. <laughs> <laughs> or like Run DMC at WrestleMania 5. WrestleMania! <laughs> Oh, geez, Jess, a whole lot of that uh, goes along with me, whatever he, whatever he says. A little bit uh, of that goes along with A little bit of that, yeah. <laughs> um, and, uh, some other... <laughs> smoking gun! <laughs> uh, and also we have Brian losing, uh, having just come off the big money in the bank win. Uh, and I thought, uh, I guess we both fought uh, Del Rio. Felt a bit out of place. Like there are six hot acts in that opening tag match, but Del Rio is the biggest act of them all, and he feels out of place. Like everybody else, kind of feels like I guess you know mid Carter, upper mid Carters, and Del Rio, you know he's been in the main event. He's been flirting with the main event pitcher all all year, uh, all season, and he just feels out of place here. Yeah, I think it was really just a red herring, right? They were trying to throw off the scent that he was coming out later. Yeah, so they stick him in the six man, but yes, you could have. I don't know what else they could have done, honestly, because, like, I think Barrett-Brian is the only match you could take away, and that's really good. So, 
Yeah, I don't know what else he could have done with him. Maybe it, if instead of the six man, he's just like there bitching that he's not on the card. If you want to do a red herring and not have him be with these guys, like that's an option. But all right, so seven there for moments. So again, a loaded show moment wise, and actually tops Money in the Bank, which had six. Oh wow! Um, and then we do seven, of course, of the match grades as well. So it's really piling up the numbers now. Uh, card structure was a tight show. They didn't bloat, which was really good because. It'd be easy for them to try and load it up and just like really go over the top, but they kept it tight. They kept their top stuff involved. They had the big matches only and just chug along. Yeah, I think it was what a three-hour pay-per-view. This isn't. Yeah, any, it was uh, tight. It's just yeah, it's not stuff. in the forward window yet. Um, and it's yeah, tough it's... because you want to reward guys. Like we bitched earlier about Dolph and everything, but it's you know on the other hand, it's like you want to uh, you know on the other hand you also want to. Uh, keep it tight and not just overload it. So, yeah, you feel bad. Some guys don't get on there. But also, by not doing that, you're able to keep things very, very basic. Yeah, you kind of, like, lessen that that gap or that window for, like, something to go awry, uh, shall I say? Mm-hmm. Um, what do we have here? Oh, uh, as far as mine, says Edge's promo. We talked about that. Um it did, I think, like hurt the crowd going into the main, in, into that matchup. Um, they do pull the nose up because it is a classic match, but um, that's the only thing yeah. that saved it. Like, it, if a lesser match was following that promo, it could have really hurt it. But it, it was just like the typical kind of forced edge humor that didn't really connect. I thought, and everyone was jacked for it. And then like Christian's already been cut. Like, yes, we've liked the story. Yes, it fits his character. But he's already kind of looked like a bitch through a lot of this, right? And this didn't help with Edge out here because Christian just stands there being made to look a fool. Yeah, and like especially like Edge trying to like take the high road in his villainy. It's like, no, no, dude. Like, like I've I've seen you be bad, and like I've seen you do like some truly awful things. Uh, you know, on par or worse than what Christian has done. Like all Christian did was like purposely get randy orton disqualified so he'd win the belt and like Mm -hmm. that that like puts it over the edge like i've seen edge you know take brass knuckles from lita's bra or whatever and like knock out john cena like i I don't see how that's (laughs) any better than uh you know what christian did no agreed i i just it felt it felt like oh it's a big show we want to get the edge pop but i don't know like yeah i just felt like too much I don't, I don't know. I don't know. I'm trying to think of a way they could have went about it. That would have been better. Like something backstage or just have him come out at the end of the match and pretend he's going to help Christian instead of shakes Orton. I don't, I don't know, but it just, it yeah. just felt like it just killed the momentum of what was a really easy flowing show. Yeah. Again, like we're in this, like kind of like unprecedented era of like, mm-hmm. you know, guys on the do not touch list. Like you've got edge, you can't do anything physical with them, but you want right. them on the show. But it's part of a show that revolves around confrontation and conflict. So, like, what do you do? What can you do? Hands are kind of tied. Yeah, no, it's it's an odd situation to be in. Yeah. Um, what do we got that's uh, rewatchable on the show? Uh, Orton Christian and Cena Punk, and that's the same for all time matches as well. So, two points each of those categories. Yeah, um, that's it. Brings us to a total of 23 points for SummerSlam 11, which puts it in very high air, but still 5.75 behind Money in the Bank. So that tells you just how insane the Money in the Bank score is. 
that a card this good with this many big moments and loaded up still finishes almost six points fully behind. Yeah, not a bad finish at all. I, I guess I did expect it to be a little bit closer. I was thinking right around like 25. But we did point out like there's a whole lot more minuses for the show um, than money in the bank. Like there are a couple more pluses. Um, but overall, the minuses, especially commentary, um, I think are like what really puts the uh, the nail in the coffin as far as this not getting up to that uh, upper stratosphere. I agree. But it's still high. Like, I think, uh, again, I'm really curious what is going to be our true ceiling and what's going to be that stratosphere. I think we're seeing maybe it materialize here. Like, it's, is this SummerSlam 11, like, where most shows are going to top out, like the really high-end ones? And Money in the Bank is just in this its own world, you know? Or will others come close and maybe SummerSlam's not that high, I know. Yeah, and I I wouldn't have thought that like looking at this SummerSlam, it's not one that like I'm ever like, oh yeah, this is like all time great, um, or even like all time very good. I'm just like, all right, it's like a fine card. But going back and rewatching it, it's very tight. All the matches deliver for the most part, and again, like Orton Christian, Punk Cena, or two big title matches really bring the goods. Yeah, it, it'll uh, it'll be interesting too. Like as we move through this project and get through multiple years, looking at the individual shows and how they rank, like all the SummerSlams, you know. So will this be one of the highest SummerSlams? I would think so. I can't imagine too many are going to come too close. So um, I mean, look at the gap already with SummerSlam '94. It was 7.75. So it's pretty uh, glaring there. All right. So uh, look, we're on a hot streak, and I think what's not talked about often. And we've had these discussions before, like, right, what are the greatest three match, three pay-per-view runs of all time, either WCW, WWE, whatever you want to look at, right? Like, mm-hmm. we've talked about 94, WCW with that Super Brawl, um, Spring Stampede, Slambury, or even if you want to drop Super Brawl and include Bash at the Beach, or whatever you want to do, right? Um, you have that. Or you look at WWE, where we've talked about... Um, like Survivor Series 89. And, and Rumble 90 and WrestleMania, and 6, WrestleMania right. 6, yeah. Or like Rumble 2000, No Way Out. Well, no, because WrestleMania 6. Rumble 2001, I should say. No Way mm-hmm. Out 01 and WrestleMania 17, right? Like like there's these all-time great three pay-per-view stretches throughout history. Or WCW 96, right? Like Chad and I were covering where you have uh, Great America Bash, Bash at the Beach, Road Wild. Whatever it is, right? Like that those three iconic. And I think this is one that you don't often think of. That should be considered in the mix. I mean, yes, Capital Punishment was fine and not great, but it's got an all-time classic match. And according to our ranking so far, it's much above average. And then you have two all-time classics, so it doesn't really hurt it. So I think this is in the mix, this stretch from Capital Punishment to SummerSlam. Yeah, I think it's easy to look at, in retrospect, Money in the Bank and SummerSlam and think, like, oh, what a hot two months. But mm-hmm. uh, they're really, like, putting it together with Capital, Capital Punishment. Like, it really sets the table up nicely for the two months that are about to follow. Um, so yeah, I, I think that is a, a stretch in time that deserves to be put in that category. All right. Also great. There's a North South connection, Marcus subscribe to any podcatcher app. You can leave, leave us a rating, leave us a review. We really appreciate it. Helps us gain some momentum, gain some eyes, gain some ears. We have tons of evergreen content dropping each and every day. Uh, a lot of it wrestling based where we do a lot of exercises like this kind of nerded out stuff lists and rankings and ratings uh we also do deep dives into different eras of wrestling history we cover some 
uh, current stuff, whether it's you and Tim doing uh, live pay-per-view reaction shows with Viewer's Choice or uh, Jordan and Andrew Reich on AEW, uh, you, you know what uh, that means podcast, which is every other week, breaking down our AEW uh, kind of current stuff. So we're all over the place. We have current, we have uh, old school, we cover some pop culture. We just got a lot going on here at the North South Connection, Marcus. Yeah, absolutely. And, and a deep archive as well, like uh, with Aaron's project, the year that was um, there's just a, a lot of good stuff, a lot of evergreen content, like you said, and something for everybody, whether it's pop culture, whether it's, it's wrestling related, current stuff, uh, old stuff, really old school stuff. We got a little bit of everything. <laughs> yeah, and the archive is almost two years old now at this point. So there is a lot of content in there to dig through if you're new. And, and you mentioned, yeah, that was which is an awesome series to go back and relive that Aaron did as well. Um, also want to plug the PlayStation Nation Wrestling feed, PlayStation Pop Experience. Those two uh, podcast networks are out there for you with tons of content. The PlayStation Wrestling feed goes back over 10 years and has, is loaded with shows, including almost 600 episodes of the PlayStation podcast with myself and Scott Criscolo. And the Jenny Position, Jenny Smith's uh, feed. A lot of cool pop culture content. Uh, has a horror movie, live watch podcast, a live watch podcast about uh, the Pluto TV app where you know guests will pick random channels to watch a show of and it is bullshit with jenny we have a show on there called the journey through infinity with me her tim capel scott criscolo going through the history of the mcu so there's a lot of cool content over the jenny position as well and do you want to talk about final wrestling place before we move on absolutely i have another podcast with my best friend the whole wide world tim taylor uh, which you can hear us also on viewer's choice uh but you can hear us over at final wrestling place on the soon-to-be-named network where we take the announced professional wrestling and we put them in either the good place or the bad place uh we have wrapped up our series on raw guest hosts we have ranked them and stacked them uh and we are doing our series uh to end the year a little best year and worst year ever um kind of going off of the old VH1 style show. Um, so we're going to just kind of look at and see uh, kind of tongue in cheek, fun sort of way, uh, what stood out as far as a positive and what stood out as far as a bad place kind of thing for the year. All right. Well, let's see if uh, our next show is in the good place or bad place, Marcus, because we're on a hot streak here. We just talked about it. These three pay-per-views have been really good following that all-time stinker of Over the Limit, and that is Night of Champions 2011. This comes to you live from Buffalo, New York, the first Niagara Center, on September 18th, 2011. So you want to talk about this card for us? Absolutely. Uh in the dark match, we've got Daniel Bryan defeating Heath Slater by submission. Our first official match on the pay-per-view for the WWE Tag Team Championship, we've got Air Boom, Evan Bourne, Kofi Kingston defeating the awesome truth, Miz and R-Truth by disqualification. Uh, and this was a little bit of a little like a surprise. Um, it got better as it went along. I went three stars. Yeah, I would agree. And I just want to circle back to the Daniel Bryan thing quick, too, for a second. Like, it's got a very Austin 96 vibe to him. Like, mm. gets his big win and then kind of ghosts for a bit. And, like, here he is two months later and he's on the dark, you know, dark match pre-show. So it's it's weird to see how he spiraled a bit after his big win. And we'll see when they decide to heat him back up. Uh, I do like Air Boom a lot. I like this as an opener between them and... 
uh, Awesome Truth, and I went three stars. I think Awesome Truth was a good use of both guys because we've talked about Miz quite a bit coming off that title run. It's felt a little bit lost for him. He was in the A-Rye feud and otherwise just kind of floating around. And Truth also peaked quick with that title match, and you wonder, Mm -hmm. like, what else are they going to do with him? So this is a really good use to keep them as a main event-level act, but not necessarily right in the title picture. So uh, this is a shrewd use of these guys. And Air Boom's a really fun team as well. So I thought it's a good opener, and it's showing the depth that Raw has right now. Yeah, and something the company has done, uh, I think, pretty consistently through their history, is done a good job with like these super teams. Um, and they, they, they did it again here with R Truth and Miz. Um, and like we even get some story uh, with the DQ, and that's kind of like gonna help Miz uh, buy into like the conspiracy theory a little bit more with R Truth and like further their partnership as opposed to like just kind of two dudes thrown together uh, or two disgruntled employees like that's going to grow and it's going to continue and we're going to see that play out over the season uh anything else to add nope nope it's a good opener with like you said characters and it's a good reset for these two guys which makes sense coming off of SummerSlam, we're kind of hitting the next stretch quarter of the year so it made sense to try and reboot these guys and get them you know into a steadier place and yeah, speaking of rebooting, that puts us into our next match as we've got Cody Rhodes defending the Intercontinental title successfully against <laughs> Ted DiBiase. <laughs> the most awkward theme since X Factor, uh, the auto-tuned country rap of Ted DiBiase. Like, has there been anyone more lost as a character that had a ready-made deal than him? I get maybe they don't want to put him right in his father's shadow, but... It's kind of there for you, right? Like, just make him rich. <laughs> like, I don't know. And I know they end up trying it. I don't remember if it was before or after this where they tried him with Maurice and Virgil. But, I mean, they tried at least. Uh, but him is, like, just the weird country boy with no real gimmick is just odd. It just didn't have it. it. just doesn't connect. And this is kind of a long-term blow-off to Legacy, I guess. But uh, he just – it's like two friends that grew up and, like, one just stayed – into the local town and kind of floundered and the other one went off to like become like a successful doctor and he comes home on like Thanksgiving <laughs> break and like you just look at them next to each other like how did one end up here and one end up there you know that's what it feels like yeah um uh, it's it just sad for me like I'm a huge fan of legacy I thought they had like such high like ceiling of potential um and like Ted Jr. was always the one pegged to be like, that's the dude, that's the main eventer. Like he's going to spin out from this. He's going to like be a money in the bank winner, whatever it is. And he's going to be main eventing. And like, I remember there was an interview with John Cena around this time where he was like, Teddy Biasi is going to main event like WrestleMania 30 or, you know, something like that. And it's just, I don't know. It, it's a, it's a bummer to see, but at the same time, like it kind of speaks to how competitive the mid card and upper mid card is during this time. Like there's so many people we've seen, um introduced like the previous season and like this season um who like stepped their game up and that that group of guys like there's probably like 10 of them um it's all very competitive and like teddy biasi might be like that 10th or 11th name you think of or list uh when naming these guys you know r-truth morrison mm-hmm. ziggler miz like it goes on and on Black, um, Born. yeah um so yeah it, i don't know like just a bummer. Uh, I went two stars on the match. Or no, I went two and a quarter, excuse me. Yeah, I, I don't know what could have worked to get him over. I, I think sticking with a rich gimmick would have been the best bet. Um, 
He just he just didn't have a lot of charisma. He needed someone to talk for him. That's the problem. They should have just had his dad fuck up his manager. Although that's failed in the past too. It was the start of last year. I don't. <laughs> yeah, maybe we don't we don't want to uh, wish that on ourselves or anybody else. I guess uh, he just wasn't. He just didn't come off as like authentic in any way or believable. Does everything seem forced? He never seemed comfortable. Honestly, he just didn't seem comfortable at all, like as a wrestler, which isn't a good thing to be when you're a wrestler. Uh, all right, I went two stars on that match. Just kind of existed. Yeah. Um, our next match, we have a fatal four-way for the WWE United States title as Dolph Ziggler successfully defends against Alex Riley, Jack Swagger, and John Morrison. I absolutely love this match. Uh, it snuck up on me. Wasn't expecting it to be so good. I went three and a half. No, I'm with you. It was very good. I went three, uh, but it was a lot of fun. When these guys came out, I was like, all right, like maybe this is kind of the dip in the show. And well, or, you know, all these guys have been pretty good and pretty solid. Sometimes it just doesn't click for all of them. Uh, you get Alex Riley still clinging, hanging on here, uh, but is what it is. And, you know, I thought Ziggler retaining made a lot of sense. It's the perfect way to have him retain in a match like this where he kind of sneaks in the win. And escapes out. But no, these four guys end up cutting a pretty good pace and having a pretty good outing. I mean, it goes, you know, under nine under nine minutes, so they keep it chugging along pretty well. Yeah, it's got a really good pace too. Like for Fatal Four Way, sometimes you might see like a down period or like a rest hold somewhere in there. And like this never had it. Like they keep somebody fresh in and they do something awesome and then like they rotate in and um I had like even like a good little extra wrinkle of a story there with uh, Vicky now being aligned with Jack Swagger. Um, and like, okay, like Vicky's kind of like a win-win situation. Like she, you know, she has a 50% shot of, uh, you know, having the, the U S champion, uh, in her camp for the evening. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I loved it. And like, you know, we just mentioned, uh, when talking about Rhodes and DiBiase, like the crop of younger talent in the mid card and upper mid card. And like, this is a perfect example. Um, right thought all these guys really brought it and like you know even Alex Riley like like I thought he did uh, really well here yeah no I thought he did too um I'm trying to think of a good use for him like I feel like he was just fine as Miz's backup like yeah he could still yeah. wrestle but it's, he would have been fine even with awesome truth just like helping them be as like their toady I it just doesn't have it the connect as like the face I don't know it's just he just screams like annoying jock they almost would have been better off just moving into smackdown as a heel just have the draft and he leaves versus a split with the miz yeah like they i don't know they just like kind of blew it too early um yeah smackdown would have been a great option keeping him with the miz would have been a great option i don't know maybe he gets back together with me i hate you miz (laughs) i'm really mad tell you needs the varsity jacket uh but that leads us into our next title match as we get a big moment here. Mark Henry is going to defeat Randy Orton for the World Heavyweight Championship. Uh, big time moment. I went four stars on this match. God, I fucking love this. Four stars. Just awesome, awesome piece of business here as Mark Henry cashes in. Like Orton's been through this war with Christian for months. He finally gets rid of him. And here he's going to deal with Mark Henry who's on the run of his life. And Henry just smashes him, destroys his knee, blocks the RKO, slams him, and pins him. Just, God, was so perfect. Like, finally wins a world title after all these years of promise and thinking he would never get here, looking like he was going to wash out multiple times. They give him this big push. He looks like a monster and just destroys the golden boy and wins the title. I want four stars. Just, 
like I feel like this is a forgotten moment. I think everyone remembers the Hall, Hall of Pain, and like everyone remembers the pink jacket <laughs> like that comes later. But <laughs> this this to me is like an overlooked, forgotten, unbelievable Mark Henry moment. Just destroys Randy Orton in the middle of the ring, crushes them to win the title. I thought this was great. I love it. Yeah, they don't overthink it. Like Mark Henry, as we've seen on these these shows, like we see a match with Wharton and Christian, but like earlier in the evening, we see Mark Henry like on his path of destruction and like having matches that back it up. And like he's having good matches, but he's also like coming out on the winning end of those and looking super impressive. So like this has been building at the same time, like as the Orton and Christian rivalry has been putting mm-hmm. on like all time classic matches. So it's like such a natural progression. Great storytelling. It all made sense. They don't outthink the room. Like Henry gets his hands on Orton and like I wouldn't say he squashes him, but like basically he basically kind of squashes him. Like Orton struggles to get out of the gates. Yeah, I'm just um, glad they didn't do something dumb. Like to your point, they didn't overthink it. They just they went with it and he wins. Like they didn't try and do too much. They didn't do anything weird. They didn't do a DQ or a count out and Henry gets another match. That you know, just fucking do it. And it didn't feel like a hot potato either because it felt so well earned. Yeah. And like for me, the comparison to this is like probably what should have happened at SummerSlam 96. And I know it's like a different time and title reigns like have a much different standard then compared to now. But like you've got this killer Vader and you've got like this good baby face and Shawn Michaels. And like what should have happened was like, oh, man, like we actually made the monster. Like we spent all this time building him up and right. now it's time to like actually pull the trigger on the title reign and the title change. Just do it. Don't I don't think the room. Um, the problem was Vader wasn't super well built, but but <laughs> okay. Henry was. Henry was like really well protected and well built here. Like he's been a beast. This this was just perfect. It was well done, it, and it felt fine that they bounced it again. And Orton, it was almost more impressive because you didn't think they'd take it right back off Orton after the whole flip flop of Christian. So it was just perfect. Right. It was really well done. And as yeah. we'll see, it probably should have closed the show. <laughs> Yeah, we got the, the the awesome promo too at the end. Like, this yes. is my moment. <laughs> oh yeah, if, yeah, I'm sure he felt so well vindicated and earned after just this run of craziness he's had. Yeah, it's such just such a good like just whole segment. It's it's wonderful. Mm-hmm. Uh, <coughs> we're gonna get to Kelly Kelly versus <laughs> Beth match. Phoenix uh, in their second match uh, of this. Uh, I don't even know what what to call it, but. Um, series, yeah, never stick a series, never ending series. Kelly Kelly is going to beat Beth Phoenix. Uh, and again, Kelly Kelly is going to have Eve Torres in her corner. Beth Phoenix is going to be seconded by Natalia. I went two stars on this. I went two as well, but I hated this finish. Um, you're in Buffalo, Beth's home. The crowd is like rabid for her. They were so in. This is like the most you're going to get in the crowd into this match, these two. Like, this felt like a natural, just give it to Beth. Like, who cares? Mm-hmm. Have Kelly win the next night if you want to get it. But, like, give the moment. You know what I mean? Like, it was right there for you. You're not, Kelly's not gaining anything. She's not getting cred by winning. Like, whatever. Just give it back to her after. Just give Beth the moment in her hometown. That crowd would have been nuts. It would have been one of the hottest diva cha- title changes of this era. Because they were prime. They were, like, into it. I thought for sure she was going to kill her and win. And when Kelly won, I was like, what the fuck are we doing? Um, and it took away what could have been a really good moment from the show. Yeah, they had it right there. Um, I don't know if they were too worried about, like, doing a copy and paste from Money in the Bank. But, like, if it's good, it's good. Uh, and I think, like, other towns wanted to have that moment. Mm-hmm. And Beth Phoenix, like, hometown, here it is. 
and it, I think this is even when she cut the uh, promo, like her yes. own pipe bomb. Yeah. Um, and this might have been around the time, uh, not to get you know too much into personal lives, but I think her and CM Punk might have been an item around this time. So like a lot of people knew, and like they knew what the deal was, and you know Twitter's starting to heat up, and more people are becoming smarter to what's going on like behind the scenes and and the wink wink nudge nudge kind of stuff. So like you said, the the the, the crowd was primed for this, and they fumbled the bag disappointing yeah it would have been a cool moment and the show could use one for sure, as we'll see yeah um next up for the wwe championship we've got john cena defeating alberto del rio um by submission so john cena is now our new wwe champion mm-hmm. and i went looking at the wrong uh thing here i went three and a quarter stars on this match yeah same for me it was it was a very very good match i just you know I feel like Del Rio has really had a weird year. Like, he won the Rumble. He gets fucked at Mania because of um, Edge retiring, so they want to give Edge the moment. Then they give Christian the belt over him. Then he gets bumped out of the feud for Orton. Then he goes to Raw, cash, wins the money in the bank, cashes in, has a big moment, and then loses the belt to Cena a month later. Like, it's just like, all right, why? Like, did Cena need to win it back here right away? It, it didn't feel like he had to. And then no. Del Rio... Del Rio ends up back with it. I don't know. It just felt forced. Yeah, it's... But I also know Cena's job a bunch. So it's like, is he going to lose again? Like, he just lost two in a row. So it was just a weird spot. Yeah, but, like, you've got plenty of bells and whistles. Like, you've got Ricardo there if you want to have, um, you know, that be the the, like, the reason for, for Cena losing, like, leading into the finish or whatever. And we know what the next pay-per-view is the next month. So, like, that mm-hmm. kind of justifies, you know, outside interference uh, being negated. So, like... I don't know. Yeah, not not what not what the show needed. I don't think. Like, yeah, it's it's cool to see a WWE title change, but like, you know, how many start and stops are we gonna have with Del Rio? Right. Like, I mean, at some point, he's not gonna recover from it, right? Like, it's like mm. you can't just keep giving it going, giving it going, and giving that they give it back to him anyway. I just would have had him keep it here. Yeah. But again, I get why they didn't want Cena to lose three in a row. So, and they have to have him in the picture, I guess. Like you could have just taken some time off, but um, I guess they're gonna do that later. So I don't know. It's it's weird. It's like they have, you know, they're in this holding pattern to Cena Rock, and I guess to do on the will they won't they be for the title in that match. But you probably could have found something else to do with them and give Del Rio something else. It just it felt like why are we going back to Cena again here? And Del Rio's just building his momentum. Yeah, without a doubt. But a very uh, good match. Yeah, good match overall. And uh, to close out the night, uh, no titles involved here. We've got Triple H defeating CM Punk in a no disqualification match with the stipulation that if Triple H had lost, he would have to resign as the COO of WWE. Uh, I went a star in three quarters. Yeah, me too. And even that feels high. Like, I hate doing this to Punk, but... This just felt it was it was no good. First of all, uh, it's 25 minutes. Punk is coming off this incredible stretch where he just defeated John Cena twice clean. You know, he's doing the pipe bomb stuff. He's fresh as hell. And then he just feels like another guy kowtowing to Triple H and getting pinned by him. You know, Nash is in there again. And it feels like Punk is now 
third wheel to Triple H and Nash. Like he's just in the way of this Triple H Nash feud. Beating him with a pedigree. It just felt like a real deflating moment. It was like a well, you're back to being another guy, Punk, instead of something special. And we, we saw that. We talked about it earlier with SummerSlam, where they could have made him even more special. They brought him back. Now, here, he's losing to Triple H, which is the brand of everyone on the roster. Like, it just felt, like, so unneeded. And even if you thought it was a good story or whatever, like, this just feeds right into the Triple H rep, right, of, like, having to siphon anything that's hot or whatever. It just, it just, it just felt so unnecessary to have... This whole card felt like a lot of unnecessary decisions. Cena defeating Del Rio, Triple H defeating Punk. Like, do we need any of this? Uh, the answer is no. And now that we've kind of wrapped up the, the match side of the equation, um, how did we get so off course from July and August? Right. Uh, to this point here. Um, just a night full of, like, baffling decisions um outside of a couple here and there um like when you get to your heavy hitting storylines over on raw cena and del rio and now punk and, and triple h what are we doing right why like you, you crowned punk you crowned him and instead of honoring that you now do like no favors to cena and now also like Triple H has to win when he's not going to be a full time guy anyways. Like you know you know exactly what it is, but why? Like it's not good. This is it's not good. Did nobody else see this and be like, no, it's not good. Um, it made no sense. It's, it's and, a detriment. And, and, and they're doing it just to build to Triple H Nash. I mean, which is even worse in a way. But and it's like Punk now just immediately feels like another guy. Yeah, it's just, this is a company that stalls when it hits this time because they're trying to fill time and do different and just do whatever they can to get to the next big stretch, which is Survivor Series to Mania. And especially in this case where they already have Cena Rock penciled in. But, like, why not just have Punk beat Nash on the show to repay for SummerSlam and have Triple H fuck with friggin' R-Truth and Miz or whatever? Like, they get involved here anyway. They've been putting the screws to Triple H and trying to get him out. Or why not do Cena Triple H? Have Cena say, you know, you screwed me as a referee. I had my foot under the rope, whatever the hell happened. And just do Cena Triple H. Have Triple H beat Cena and, you know, continue his losing streak instead. And do Punk Del Rio in a rematch or anything. Anything would have been better than this. Yeah, there there are so many other directions you could have gone with. And, like, I think even Nash is, like, on record around this time of saying, like, he'd rather, like, you know, be second for CM Punk as, as opposed to, like, stick him with a jackknife. Like... It, like what an all-time cool pairing that would have been at the time. Um, I don't know. Like, especially if we're gonna get to Nash Triple H anyways, as we're gonna see. Why not? I don't know. Start that here. But again, like you have to go back and retcon. Like, why did Nash cost Punk the title to begin with? But you know, you've got how many hours of TV in between uh, to explain all this. So mm-hmm. yeah, not, I, I feel like. All the progress we just made and everything we just seen was like completely undone with, I guess, really the last two matches. Yeah. Um, you know, in the end, I I guess Cena Del Rio isn't that big of a deal, but like I think when you combine the two, like yeah. it really is deflating. It crushes any momentum they had and the uniqueness with Punk. He just becomes another guy. We'll see you next show too, where he's just like just another guy. 
across the next few few episodes. Uh, few, you know, next episode we'll talk talk about. So, uh, all right. So our average grade there uh, brings us to a total war of two, which is probably not too bad, all things considered, on the show, but uh, a dip from our last couple. So we get two points earned on match grade. So let's dig into the categories. Let's talk build. Uh, we gave a point for Mark Henry's big title chase after 15 years. Uh, Punk going after Triple H and Stephanie, which is a big part of the build to their feud. Him kind of going at their credibility as a power couple in WWE. And then also uh, Cody and Ted. We we threw the nominal point at them because it did call back to the legacy days as weak as the match was. Yeah, as far as uh, minuses, this all the stuff with Triple H and Nash and the text and the cell phone, this and that, and, and being buddy buddy and referring to the click and you know, which was never really on screen, just everything about that was a huge detriment to the show. Uh, no real build for the U.S. title, even though that ended up being a good match. And then overall, just relying on the Knight of Champions concept for these matches, like okay, this title's on right. the line simply because that's the gimmick for the night, where like these championships are supposed to be like the crux of most of your storylines. And instead they're just like kind of throwaway. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's unfortunate. All right. So that nets out to a zero for build. So no points there. Commentary. Uh, Cole's being a little more balanced here. At least he's calling things out despite the kind of heel side. So he's doing okay here. Uh, he's also was funny during the Cody Ted match, mocking all the fat, ugly people in the crowd <laughs> made me laugh. Um, and good commentary on Mark Henry's journey and win. I thought he did a nice job telling that story throughout the match and after the match. Yeah, that's like an instance of them actually using Cole, who's like seen a lot of stuff and has like almost been there the whole time Mark Henry's been there. Right. Uh, I thought that like really stuck. Uh, mm-hmm. I thought that was good stuff. It reminded me of his work he did when Foley won the title in 1998. Mm. Putting over yeah, the that's story. A good, it's a good comparison. Uh, but let's get into the minuses. And uh, we've got quite a few here. Uh, we've got Booker T referencing his tag team experience with Goldust, but, uh, you know, not his own brother, Stevie Ray. Um, we've got the usual folksy buddy-buddy nonsense from the three commentators. Uh, Cole really hammering home that he knows Cena has uh, Alberto, Alberto Del Rio's car. We've got Cole losing his voice during the show. It's we've a very got, infamous show, too, where he loses his voice, and Booker and King have to kind of carry the load. <laughs> he doesn't even talk to her at the end. <laughs> Uh, we've got uh, Booker T calling Nash his big homie as he comes out for the attack as a big heel, which like I, I love, but it's just incredibly inconsistent. Like Booker T, um, right. I think later on he's going to like kind of call spade a spade. Like he's going to have some heels in his Bay five, uh, you know, like like D-Mac and Wade Barrett. Uh, but here he's not quite at that point, but like he's absolutely losing it for his buddy uh, coming in and sticking people with jackknives. So, yeah, I just felt weird because it yeah. was meant to be. This whole thing is weird. It's like it's like not the time for a Shades of Grey storyline with what they got going on. So it was just like it was meant to be sold as like a big deal. Like here comes Nash fucking things up. You know, it's like whatever. And it's like, oh my big homie Kevin Nash. Like he's at like the Cauliflower Alley Club, <laughs> like running into him at the dinner. You know, it's like I mean, like it's just supposed to be a big moment. Like what is Nash doing? We're friends, but this is above and beyond. Like you, whatever, do it like that. Not like my big homie, what's up? It, just, it felt like a little bit, a little bit much. Right. You could have done something like, oh, he didn't tell me he was going to be here. You know, something, anything else like right. that. But All right. Uh, so atmosphere, we, uh, you know, crowd is really into the opener, which is cool. Uh, good heat for the Christian promo. 
Mark Henry's entrance was awesome. Mark Henry's win was awesome. Uh, the crowd was stunned. You know, good vibe when he wins. And the big hometown pop for Beth as well. Yeah, Mark Henry really coming through there in the clutch, helping the show out. Uh, but let's see if it gets undone here, as we've got DiBiase's terrible uh, country autotune oh, song that you've mastered. Uh, and no excitement for him as a, as a baby face either. Uh, it's like he doesn't exist. He's, it's, like, it's like when he comes out, it's, might as well just not even exist. <laughs> yeah, uh, you know, very, I guess, below replacement level. Like you could mm-hmm. throw just about anybody else out there and, and have a better reaction. Uh, no excitement for a Rye. Uh, got weak mid-card faces on the card. Uh, the crowd is obviously and justifiably pissed off with Kelly Kelly winning. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've got the crowd not into John Cena at all. We got a flat crowd for the main event, and uh, especially for the attack. Yeah, it's like you have Awesome Truth coming out. You got Punk is red hot. Triple H, you know, whatever, one of the all timers. Nash coming out, my big homie, and like the crowd is just like quiet for all of it, like completely just deflated. So uh, that's a negative one overall for atmosphere. It was a negative two for commentary. So we're not trending in the right direction here. We're we're barely surviving uh, sea level. Notable moments. We got Miz shoving the ref into the bottom buckle in a nasty bump, uh, which I have forgotten about. The ref is lucky he didn't die because he takes an ugly bump into the buckle. It's almost like Million Dollar Baby style. Yeah, yeah, it was ugly. Uh, Ziggler and Vicky having their issues, so pushing that story along. John Morrison's face stock is on the rise. Looked great in that match and maybe started to regain some of the momentum he had early in the year. Mark Henry winning the title and going beast mode. Uh, Beth Phoenix's superplex looked awesome. Cena with the stolen Del Rio car entrance that Cole almost ruins. John Cena winning the world title and Punk's top rope uh, big elbow through the table, which looked great. Yeah, uh, as far as mine is, we've got Ted Jr. Uh, Booked like a goof and, uh, you know, really really looking like the cook of this whole thing, of this whole legacy. Um, Beth Phoenix losing in her hometown and that also pissing off the crowd. Uh, kind of like the heatless stole down uh, Alberto Del Rio entrance. We've got uh, Cena's Class War promo, which we talked about, uh, you know, off air. It just it felt like something they do like at a house show or something to try yeah. to like spice things up. It just the felt out of place. Hated it. Hated yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah. And in turn, the crowd also hates Cena. Um, we got Del Rio's reign ending very quickly. We mm-hmm. talked about how that um, didn't feel like the timing was right for that. And of course, Triple H killing CM Punk's momentum the whole summer. Of Punk the hottest the business has been in years and it's all dead uh on this night and then um you know again like punk looks terrible because he can't win um you know with the awesome truth like even helping him uh yeah it comes down to yeah yeah, it comes down to like the last second miracle as uh, me and tim like to call it triple h with the pedigree yeah it was a lot a lot to like it but a lot not to like it it all washed out which shows you just this is like a frustratingly middling show um across the board so just a, a plus one there for notable moments on a show when you have that many positives you should only net out to a one so uh match grades to talk about earlier that's a two card structure is a good opener uh and a punk main eventing which was a good in theory until we actually see it executed <laughs> yeah um but with punk main eventing like Punk and Triple H are closing a show called Night of Champions, um, and the match is not for a championship. Like it is for the COO title, but like you know, that's just Triple H losing it. It's not like Punk's going to gain it or anything like that. 
Um, Cena and, and Alberto Rio probably should have closed the show, especially if you think uh-huh. a, a babyface Cena win is so important. Um, you know, then go ahead and put it on last and justify it. Um, awesome Truth attacking and the overbooking with Nash and Johnny Ace just kills the main event vibe and crowd. And then uh, I felt like the Divas were put in a bad spot uh, trying to break up the big three matches at the end. And again, like that would have been justified had Beth Phoenix won. Like right. that would have made it felt like a fourth big match. And instead, with Kelly Kelly winning, it feels like a popcorn match. So I guess it's a negative two for uh, card structure. So not great. <laughs> We're just circling the drain quickly here. Uh, rewatchability. We can't even point to Miz and Truth's roast uh, during their rap entrance because get your muffin tops up, which is a great <laughs> line. Uh, but they were really funny. I, I actually thought that started the show pretty well with their rap. Uh, what's up? And uh, then uh, Henry and Orton, obviously, is rewatchable. Uh, as far as minuses, we have seen his pre-match promo. We talked about how out of place that was. And we went ahead and we gave a negative two here for Triple H ending CM Punk's hot streak. Yeah, uh, we were just a double shot for like the most egregious sort of <laughs> stuff. And this was this was extremely egregious of Punk's hot streak getting crushed by Triple H, which is such a... It's like one of those things where, like, why do you, does everyone say this about Triple H? Why does everyone show? And then you, then you're like, well, look, <laughs> like, like it, this evidence is here. Like, this is another time where, you know, he just destroyed what could have been like a megastar on this one of the hottest runs ever. So negative one there. No all-time matches on either side. Uh, brings us a total of negative three for the show. So ending our hot streak with a thud, Marcus, a hard thud. Yeah, and like again, like Triple H, I think like this is eight years after the fact of like the Reign of Terror, right? Um, and like he's still he, he, like, you know, he's he's still on his usual. Like, why why are we still doing this with Triple H? Um, you know, I get it. Oh three, oh four, you're trying to make him, you know, the next guy with Austin Rock on. You know, don't like it, but okay, I understand that's the position you're in. But this is 2011. And we've got a hot, like a lot of people on the come up and we've got CM Punk standing out above all of them. The business is hotter than it's ever been. We've got a ton of people that said, um, you know, more recently that like this is when they got back into wrestling was with the pipe bomb promo, made them tune back in. And what do you do? Like, OK, you all tune back in. Let's give you some more of like what made you go away. And that just makes no sense. Yeah. It was bad decision making. You think of some of the big years, the 2000, right? It was like one in the fall with a fall to rails. What was a red hot run? Um, and again, features Triple H making a wrong decision with Kurt Angle and Stephanie McMahon. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we get it again here. Similar. I mean, Punk is the hottest thing they've had in years from a potential crossover breakout potential. And within months, he's just another guy. Like, think of the excitement of July when he left with the title and it felt different and new. And now two months later, he's jobbing to a pedigree and, and the backseat to Kevin Nash and Triple H's feud. Like, you could have still had Nash and Triple H feud without involving Punk. There's a way to do that very easily. Yeah. Uh, and Or have Punk win. Have Even if Nash costs Triple H, at least Punk wins, right? This just felt, like, so gratuitous. And it really killed the vibe of the show. And on top of it, it's not a good match. Like, the match sucked, which we didn't really talk much about. Um, the match itself was not very good, even beyond that. So, just a real momentum killer. And it just feels like we're back to where we are in May, 
in June, it's just that Punk has a new contract and he can't go anywhere. It's like, like <laughs> Cena's back to being champion. Punk's back to the upper mid car. Like, it just feels like we just rebooted uh, and the last couple of months didn't happen. So it sucks because they were so red hot on such a run. And there's a lot of good here. We talked about it, but there's just also a lot of bad, which cancels it out. So uh, it does not get the benefit of the good stuff that happened. No, not at all. And um, man, now I really think about it. Like that main event is really disappointing because CM Punk is like very versatile. He can do brawls. And as we've seen earlier, like the last two pay-per-views, he can really do like a straight up in the ring storytelling, technical wrestling style match uh, that like plays off of expectations. And you've got Triple H, who is supposed to be uh, this wrestler's wrestler carrying the mantle of Ric Flair and Harley Race and and uh, Dory Funk and, you know, whoever else Shane Douglas throws the belt down on. Uh, But like that's the that's the cloth that he's cut from. And even more so, I think, like post quad tear where he like really slows down his in ring style and focuses more on like the hold to hold kind of aspect of his wrestling. Uh, But he can also be like a really good uh, WWE style street fight guy. And like, we don't get either of that here. It's just bad. And like, how, how do you whiff on like either kind of match that you can have? And, and it's just a big swing and a miss. So it's really disappointing now that like, somehow it's even worse than like the negative two we end up giving it like it's so frustrating it's so disappointing i agree and it really puts a dark cloud over this whole show that just didn't have enough ability to stop the bad from swallowing up the good and puts into the negative which makes it our second worst show of all time over the limit 11 is still our worst at negative nine which may be holding up marcus we'll see as uh, one of our worst United Champions 2011 checks in next at negative three as our uh, next show. And then we got WrestleMania 11 at negative 0.75, Rumble 95 at 5.5, Kino 94 at 6.5, Survivor Series 94 at 7.75, Extreme Rules 11 at 8.75, SummerSlam 94 at 9, Capital Punishment 2011 at 13.75, SummerSlam 11 at 23, and our extreme top of the line show, Money in the Bank 2011 at 28. So, setting the pace for sure. Uh, So we'll see how things continue to build for us, Marcus. And our next episode, we'll be back with Hell in a Cell 2011 and Vengeance 2011 as we head toward a big Survivor Series at MSG uh, in a month. So we'll be back in two weeks' time to touch on those. Anything you want to hit before we go? Uh, No, we've got two shows very close together uh, periodically to cover next so i'm looking forward to it and especially hell in a cell uh you know we've got some some big time cell matches to cover so uh yeah we'll see what's next all right that'll do it remember live your life above replacement level we'll talk to you in two weeks